Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for the history of redemption that you have established in your word, that you have given to us. Father, you are a great God, you are a holy God, and we see your plan of action in the pages of history, Lord, and we ask, Father, that you would enlighten our minds and illumine our hearts, Father, to be wise unto salvation. Father, I pray that uh, you would give us discretion and discernment as we cover this topic. We pray that you would watch over and superintend our uh, meeting today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We are talking about circumcision, and uh, so uh, a bit of a delicate topic, and yet Scripture itself jumps right into the the topic, and uh, that's what we're going to do. We're... um, We're in Genesis chapter 17. I would like to go through the first 14 verses, and I'll be handing out some other verses as we go along. But so who would like to read 1 through 7 and then 8 through 14? 1 through 7, Jeff, thank you. And Stephen, thank you. Good, good eye contact. Excellent. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked to him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations for you, and you shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between you and you and your descendants after you and your generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are estranged from all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. I will be their God. God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant and your descendants after you throughout your generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generation, he who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner, not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his horse, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Thank you. Slide. Um, that's wrong presentation. Genesis 17. It'll be number 11. Okay, so some guiding principles as we go into our study today. Um, First off, uh, my first point, Hebrew is concrete. I don't know Hebrew. You know, I know what an Aleph looks like, but that's about it. Uh, But uh, Hebrew means what it says. Uh, but as soon as we say it means what it says, then uh, the next statement behind that 
is going to be that the concrete points to the abstract. Or we might say it another way, we say that the physical points to the spiritual, that there's going to be an automatic spiritual connection right off the bat. This is a, uh, a sacrament, one of the two sacraments in the Old Testament, this and uh, Passover. But uh, this is, uh, it's, it's concrete in its meaning, and I'm going to go through that. But it's also abstract or spiritual in its, in its connectedness. We will use the principle of the analogy of faith, Augustine, and Scripture will interpret Scripture. Scripture will uh, broaden that understanding of uh, circumcision and what circumcision is and its implications. But we're also going to keep in mind that the New Testament is connected at the hip with the Old Testament. And so... Something that is an everlasting covenant must be, therefore, everlasting. And this is God's covenant. He said in Genesis 17, this is my covenant. We've talked about that progressive revelation of God as we've gone through the discussion of the the covenant. And we've seen from Abraham's perspective that he's getting more information. He's getting further revelation from God. He's being tested in the sense that this is over a long period of time. And as he continues on, he's continuing to have to put into practice the information that he gets from the word of God, from those appearances of God and from the direct uh, verbal word from God that, uh, that he has received. So the... Old Testament sacrament, circumcision, is part of, makes the, 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 uh, the person a part of the covenant community. So to be part, uh, to be an Israelite was to be circumcised. So that's, that's part of it, that we're part of a community, and this is going to be the sign that... Uh, that God has established that uh, you're part of that covenant community. But it doesn't stop there, and we have to make sure that we understand that as well. It shows the need for cleansing, and it shows also the, the process of cleansing. You need to be cleansed. That's the inherent message of this, uh, this rite, this sacrament. And as we think about that, we apply the concreteness of the, uh, of the sacrament and we, we think about uh, circumcision itself. Automatically, we say this is very physical and it is very visceral and it is very close, we might say, uh, to, uh, to who we are and uh, it's in your flesh, that's the terminology that is, that is used. It isn't something out there. It isn't something that we, we, we see. We, we see this, but uh, we also experience this, or it's, uh, it shows that automatically, that need to be cleansed. And it points to the physical act, points to that, that spiritual need for purification, for that... Uh, cleansing that needs to happen. O. Palmer Robertson, we've re- relied on him to help us explain what the, 
the covenant is and uh, that further definition of it. He says it symbolized the purification necessary for the establishment of a covenant relationship between a holy God and an unholy people. So circumcision, physically, God institutes it, and uh, it shows that physical need to be cleansed. And uh, the, the physical points to the spiritual. This is something that God, as a holy God, says, this is how you will be part of my covenant community. This is part of the covenant. This is the terminology, my covenant. And so an unholy people must be cleansed in order to come into the presence of a holy God. This is a source not of bragging or boasting. This is a source of humility. And so automatically as we think about circumcision, we go, I am inherently unclean, and so I need to be cleansed. That's the message that is automatically associated uh, with circumcision. So it, uh, it is a bloody sacrament. So obviously there's, there's blood associated with circumcision. It's interesting that physiologically the, the human body on the eighth day has vitamin K, a, a peak in vitamin K, which helps in clotting. And uh, that, that happens right there where God said that you'll do the circumcision on the, uh, the eighth day. And yet we still acknowledge that this is a, a bloody sacrament. We, the sacrament itself involves the removal of the foreskin. The removal of that foreskin then uh, with blood points to a bigger reality. It's going to be for Abraham. He's 99 years old, and God gives him circumcision, and to his male offspring as well, to his seed. So it's going to be part of that covenant line that continues on, and uh Yes, part of the covenant community, and but uh, part of Abraham and to his seed. It remains with the covenant member until that member dies. So it, it isn't something that, that uh, stops and we redo this. We don't continue on this. It, uh, it remains with that covenant member until, until death. It's part of the propagation of the race. This is the uh, one of the instruments of reproduction of the, the propagation of the, uh, of the Israelites. And so as such, it's not just physical descent that is important, but the cleansing that is associated with circumcision that, uh, that is important. Berkhoff said, in light of the, uh, the bloody sacrifice, it was a bloody sacrifice symbolizing the excision of guilt and pollution of sin and obliging the person, the people, to let the principle of grace of God penetrate their entire life. So the physical points to the spiritual. Okay.
God says, and you, and you. We remember back, we retract, we go back to Genesis 15, and we think about Abraham's part in the covenant that was established. And uh, Abraham killed the animals. He separated the parts. He, he got the birds. He uh, made sure that the birds didn't come and uh, get those sacrifices. But it was God himself who went through the center of those parts. God initiated the sacrament, and God uh, continues that. There's covenant obligations that are placed on the people of God, and you, and you will accomplish circumcision. God has obligated the covenant people of God to do something in response. They are to circumcise their offspring. It's an everlasting covenant. Everlasting means, like, it lasts a long time, like it lasts forever. And that's the key argument here, that uh, this is an everlasting covenant. This is something that God has said in his word, and so there's got to be some sort of explanation. So hold that thought. We're going to come back to that. And um, I'm going to give out some, some passages of scripture here. Ezekiel 44.9. Uh, Alan, thank you. And uh, Deuteronomy 10.16. And uh, <laughs> you're looking at me. So uh, how about uh, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, if you don't mind? <laughs> Sean. <clears throat> okay. And uh, Jeremiah 4, 4, and uh, 4.29. Oh, you did say. <laughs> Logan, Jeremiah 4, 4, and Jeremiah 9.25. Sorry. Stephen, it wasn't just for the Israelites. So it's likely that uh, due to the uh, uh, extensive research that has been done about the peoples that are around the nation of Israel at the time, that uh, circumcision didn't originate with the Israelites. It, uh, it was around them and uh, so extensive that uh, there's like no way that it could have originated and spread that quickly to, to the other people groups. But what we're going to, what we see, or is that, you know, as Moses is explaining uh, what's going on to the people of God through the book of, of Genesis, uh, the Egyptians did practice circumcision. So it's not something that was unknown to them. But God is applying new meaning to the, uh, to the sacrament here. And uh, there's going to be automatically that connection with uh, what it means to be uncircumcised. So David pointing at Goliath. And what is this uncircumcised doing blaspheming the, the armies of the living God? Great question. But what does that mean? What does it mean for, uh, for David to accuse the Philistine of being uncircumcised? So 
uh, as a partial explanation, the uh, Ezekiel 44, 9. Um, says the Lord God, no foreigner uncircumcised in heart or uncircumcised in flesh shall enter my sanctuary, including any foreigner who is among the children of Israel. Okay. What does it take to enter into worship of the living God? It takes circumcision of the flesh, but it also takes that circumcision of the heart. And that is obviously more important than the circumcision of the flesh. Circumcision of the flesh points to obedience. Circumcision of the heart, which comes from God and is nurtured by the covenant community, is something that the covenant community will enforce. And it must be enforced in order to for them and for the foreigners that get circumcised to be able to be part of the covenant community and therefore have the right to, be, to come before God. When David says about this uncircumcised Philistine, he's talking about the uncleanness and the defilement, the fact that Goliath is unworthy to come into the presence of God. Yes, David does have disdain for this uncircumcised Philistine who's coming against the armies of, the, of God, but he also is pointing to that deeper need that even David has to be cleansed in heart and flesh before he comes before a living God. This is that sign, remember the sign, the signpost that points to the deeper reality it is also a seal, that signet ring on the letter that says, the king says, this is my letter. The king says, the big king, the capital K king says, this is my people. And I seal them in their flesh with this, with this sacrament. So uh, you have to circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Deuteronomy 10:16 Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and the smithkin of your Okay after a discussion in Deuteronomy 10 of obeying the law of uh, following the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul then keep God's commandments and statutes and live and then he says, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. So the reality in the Old Testament points back to that spiritual necessity to be cleansed. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Sean, I think. Okay. This is important because what does it say? The Lord, our God, will circumcise the, the heart of that uh, person that's a part of the covenant community, that this is a work of God. He says, you will circumcise and circumcise your hearts, at, walk in obedience to my statutes. But he also says, God says that the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. So 
than the injunction that Jeremiah passes on to the people in Jeremiah 4.4. The evil of your deeds that springs from your heart is something that must be circumcised. We have to cut that out. We have to be purified. And uh, then Jeremiah 9.25. I forgot who I gave that to. Stephen, thank you. Well, the days are coming to the Lord that I will punish all who are circumcised. Okay, um, what is your version? Uh, King James. King James? Uh, Lot uh, 26 and 12. Uh, sure. Egypt, uh, Judah, Edom, the people of Adam, Boab, and all who are in the farthest corners, dwell in the wilderness. All these nations are uncircumcised. All the house of Israel are uncircumcised in their hearts. Okay. Pretty strong indictment. You can't be circumcised merely in flesh. That's an outward sign, but you have to be circumcised in your heart. Those that are merely circumcised in flesh, God will punish, as it says there. The sign points to the need for the inner cleansing that is necessary. In uh, Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Joshua 5, 9, in the chapter that that Joshua talks about the... um, Covenant renewal, what happened? Yeah, over time, guess what? They didn't do the the circumcision. They didn't obey the word of God. They didn't obey his covenant. They didn't do what God had instructed them to do. And so part of that covenant renewal that happens in uh, Joshua 5, 9, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal. That's a very, um, when you talk about rolled away and Gilgal, Gilgal meaning rolled away, then that is a a reference directly back to circumcision itself and that uh, that process. You can see how the, the, the visceral sign is like intimately connected with the message that God is sending to his people. <clears throat> We even have in the uh, the New Testament uh, some some excellent passages. Uh, so I'm going to hand out those as well. Sam, you want to? Okay. How about um, Romans 2:25 through 29, and uh, Romans 4:9 through 12, Bruce. So, and then uh, Philippians. Three, three. Jeff, thank you. Stephen, not this Stephen, his namesake, uh, in the New Testament, talking to the Jewish leadership. At the end of his discussion, after covering the, the history of redemption with them, having reviewed that, he calls them, uncircumcised in heart and ears. 
guess what? He's telling them directly, and they receive the message that they are not worthy to come before the living God because they haven't been circumcised in their hearts. An Old Testament message to an Old Testament uh, group, and yet this is the, the fact that they have acted in rebellion, and they have, over the history of the nation of Israel, acted in rebellion to the covenant sign that God gave them. What about the circumcision of Jesus? So Jesus was, Galatians 4, 4, born under the law, that he did this to fulfill righteousness for us. The, the fact that he was born under law meant that he could take the penalty of the law for us. It was not for Christ that he was circumcised. In other words, the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh, but he was circumcised to fulfill the law. And so the, the circumcision of, of Christ uh, takes on a deeper, fuller meaning. We, in the New Testament era, are free from the fleshly circumcision requirements. Romans 2, 25 through 29. Okay. Paul goes on in his explanation and uh, referring back to, in, in chapter 4, referring back to uh, circumcision, Romans 4, 9 through 12. So we're back full circle. We're back to Abraham. Uh, Paul has explained to us the necessity uh, of or lack of necessity of physical circumcision, but that uh, we need to be circumcised in the heart. That also, in continuity with the Old Testament, means that that same principle applies in the, the New Testament. Philippians 3.3. 3. No 
I was encouraged very early on in my Christian walk to, uh, to memorize this, uh, this chapter. And I didn't realize what this meant, that here's what Paul is saying. We are the circumcision. What is it to be circumcised? We would say, or the, the nation of Israel would say, that they are the ones who have circumcision. But Paul redefines that. He said, who worship the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So then he explains in Galatians 5.2 that I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Okay. He circumcised Timothy out of freedom. He didn't have to, but he did, and that was uh, to avoid some messiness. I know that I'm going to get critiqued for that, but uh, rather than diving deep into that one, Paul had the the freedom and had Timothy um, circumcised. So now we come to the the end of the, the argument, and... The question is, is uh, circumcision necessary for the people of God? <clears throat> I still have 10 minutes. Okay. And Colossians 2.11, in him also we were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. We now understand we have the tools to be able to come into the New Testament and say, how do we connect up with this everlasting covenant? How is it that if God established an everlasting covenant that uh, we don't have the requirement to be circumcised? Well, Christ accomplishes that circumcision, the circumcision of the, of the heart and Therefore, we, in obedience, put off the the sins of the flesh, as the rest of Colossians uh, 2 and uh, 3 will explain. This is a circumcision that is done by Jesus Christ himself that uh, Calvin points to. And this is the, the key argument. It is the continuity of that argument that started in the Old Testament in Genesis 17. Baptism replaces circumcision because they mean the same thing. They point to the same reality. That cleansing of the body points to the cleansing that is necessary to come into the presence of a holy God. We cannot come to him in worship without being cleansed, cleansed in heart. And so that it is necessary to be circumcised circumcised in our hearts before we come to the living God.
So Burkhoff said, it will be observed that all these statements he's talking about, he's pointing back to the uh, various confessions at this point in, the, uh, in his systematic theology, are based on the commandment of God to circumcise the children of the covenant. So, it is in the last analysis that that commandment is the ground for infant baptism. So that's why we baptize our infant children. So, questions or comments? Just restock the four centuries. Take credit for that one. Or more correctly, all of these big so, thinkers. <clears throat> okay, so the the credo Baptist response to all this is so going back to Genesis 17, which says the everlasting, that they will say there are other passages in Scripture that talk about everlasting that are ceremonial in nature, and so how what makes this everlasting different here than those other everlastings that we see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. So there's the discussion of what are the sacraments in the Old Testament, and I'm going to go with the belief that there's circumcision and Passover are uh, are the two, and that those are the ones that are in accordance with the Westminster Confession instituted by Christ, and that point to the the outward and visible sign uh, points to that inward reality and that uh, reality that is sealed to the the believer. That's uh, the short answer, except that I've got a bunch of theologians in the room, and I'm going to back away from that and let them take that one. Stephen wants to handle that one. He's chomping at the bit. I'll, I'll call on Stephen. That way he doesn't have to. Uh, I won't bark at him like I did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they, are you saying uh, the Great Baptist would argue that circumcision is ceremonially everlasting? So we do it literally? Well, to be everlasting? Well, well so again, it's back to the word everlasting that in Leviticus, and you, you'll see some things where the, the, the word everlasting is implied, that, that they were clearly ceremonial aspect. And so that they're saying that there was truly a break with circumcision, that it truly wasn't interchangeable with baptism, that it had more of a fleshly ceremonial aspect to it than what we're saying in the case. Yeah. I think you just have to go back to hammering home the fact that circumcision is a sign of the covenant and baptism is a sign of the covenant. And there you have the connection between the two. Parallels between, you know, it's a 
like, okay, all the sacrificial stuff that was, you know, that Jesus took care of, that was his sacrifice. So those, uh, a lot of those signs and symbols in the Old Testament were somehow fulfilled. There's a direct connection. Great question. Fantastic question. <clears throat> Any other comments or questions? Okay. Let's, uh, let's pray. <clears throat>